Eric, we always said we wouldn't be political. It's going to be hard on this one. With the state of American politics being the way it is, we are more divided as a nation than we ever have been, I think. And I know from being an active internet user, people in other countries are, some are concerned and some make fun and some just don't understand how America could be considered a first world nation anymore with the way we are. And I want to say that I know I have my political views and we try to keep that out of the podcast. You have yours. And I know there are things we don't agree on, Mm -hmm. but we're still friends. We're still friends. And we don't hate each other and you're not the enemy. I'm not the enemy. But I think when you get to the extremes on either end, those are the people we have to worry about. And that goes for both sides of the political spectrum. For the safety of everyone. So we're going to talk about a cult that is sort of formed around someone who used to be a stand-up comedian. So th- that's shocking. There. That in itself is kind of unusual. But we're going to talk tonight about Owen Benjamin and the Unbearables. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome friends to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Now, I'm not going to lie. This first came to my attention on Reddit. There's a Reddit user, and and I wish I could remember the name, but this person just posts all kinds of stuff about the unbearables, which is what I shared with you, the original first link. I had never heard of it, and especially when you said it was a nearby, like, Ava, Kabul, Missouri. I mean, like, right here in our backyard. I No. So if we're going to talk about the unbearables, we have to talk about Owen Benjamin, who is sort of the central figure of the unbearables movement. The origin of it. And again, we're not attacking this man for his political views. We're not attacking him for his beliefs. I I think we both firmly agree, and I want to state this pretense to each their own. Everybody can believe whatever they want to. I, I think the problem in society is when people start pushing that on other people who feel obviously different. When you push your thoughts and beliefs on someone else in America and you try to make your thoughts and beliefs into law, I think that's when we have a problem. I agree. And both sides on the extremes on either end, to to use the analogy I've been using a lot lately, on the right, if you have a transgender child and you want to give that child treatment, the right thinks they should be able to take your child away because you are getting that child treatment. Mm -hmm. On the left, the extreme left, you have people that say if you have a child who wants to be trans and you don't 100% support that, they should be able to take your child away. My personal opinion is no one gets to take my child away unless I'm actually endangering them. In that example, and I think that's a good one, nobody should be able to take anyone's child away unless it is for health risk or, you know, the obvious, but not for beliefs. But my my thing is, is, is when you try to take your personal beliefs, your beliefs, and you try to make them law and you try to force that on everybody else in this country, that is not what our country was founded on. That is not okay. So, again, we're not attacking this guy based on that. The story I found very interesting once I start reading about it, and it centers around cult-like activity, which I think cults definitely fall in line with, with what we're doing here. And we've talked about several of the cults in past episodes, yeah. different ones. And we see the eventual endpoint of some cult activity when you talk about you know, the Jonestown Massacre and things like that. And, and so that's kind of where we 
we are on this particular story. So understand, we're not attacking anybody's political beliefs. We're telling a story about a potentially dangerous cult. So anyway, like I said, if we're going to talk about the unbearables, we've got to talk about Owen Benjamin, who was at one point a stand-up comedian and actor. Yes. Had minor roles in film and television between 2008 and 2015. As a matter of fact, in March of 2008, he was engaged to marry Christina Ricci, of all people. So Wow, did not know he, that. He was definitely you know, heavily entrenched in Hollywood. He did movies. He did stand-up comedy for like Laugh Factory. I mean, he, he was a pretty big comedian. I believe he had a small role in the movie The House Bunny with Anna mm-hmm. Ferris. Mm-hmm. Now, his his uh, engagement with Christine Ricci would only last for a couple months. They they ended it before anything happened. But in the late 2010s, he began to express some more extreme political views and definitely leaning into the hard, hard right side of politics here. One of the things he did was attack a gun rights activist who also happened to be the survivor of a school shooting. So if anybody's going to follow, you know, politic for gun rights, it seems like someone who almost lost their lives. That'd be a good candidate. He questioned this guy's maturity and, and, and why he believed he should tell other people things like that and told the, the now college student via Twitter, college is gay, by the way, enjoy gay college, LOL. Of course. You know, Owen Benjamin is a college graduate himself, so yeah. it seems weird to attack somebody for going to college. Yeah. Now, Benjamin established himself as a conservative commentator and was described as an up-and-coming conservative comedian, which I don't know about you. I've been watching a lot of comedy lately. My son's kind of got into it, watching a lot of Burt Kreischer, you know, The Machine. Oh, yeah, yeah. But when you watch conservative comedy, man, that stuff is just not really that funny. No. And in- It's just so unlike regular comedy yeah, well it, it's <laughs> for lack of it a better seems way to like it. every joke in conservative comedy is about attacking someone yeah and of course you know there, there's a lot of comedians that have kind of leaned that way a lot of comedians who i think their careers that kind of fell out of relevancy have kind of started going that way i think rob schneider is doing that i mean i don't want to attack anybody in hollywood but rob schneider was popular because adam sandler right <laughs> so you know, but there, there's a lot of comedians. Uh, Jim Brewer is another one that I think his his career was kind of winding down, but now he's doing some of this hard right, attacking everybody on the the left kind of thing. Anyway, Owen was regularly booking comedy shows on universities and had a podcast called Why Didn't They Laugh? And then in October of 2017, he tweeted his opposition to the providing transgender ch- children with hormone therapy. Now, again, political views mean what they are. You're, you're free to believe however you feel. Now... My my take on it is, you know, there are definitely people that are born in the wrong body. I mean, mm. you can prove that with, with testing and, and all that, the hormone imbalances, things like that. Right. Whatever your beliefs on it, we're not attacking that belief. We're telling the story of- Trying to remain cult. as neutral as possible. It's just, we're going to yeah. trudge into some gray area. Here. Yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely stepping on some political toes. And again, we're not attacking anybody's beliefs. We're, we're getting to the unbearables cult. To get there, we have to go through this. He repeatedly referred to an NPR host as a child molester for raising and supporting their own transgender child. And this led to the University of Connecticut canceling an upcoming show and his talent agent dropping him as a client. Hmm. So the guy, you know, we talk about cancel culture. I know that's a thing that happens. People do, unfortunately, have to deal with the consequences of, of saying what you want to say. The right to free speech doesn't protect you from the consequences of the things yes. you say. Yes. So you're allowed to say whatever you want. Just understand that sometimes you're going to get your butt kicked for it. And your feelings <laughs> may get hurt. In February of 2018, he used a racial slur on stage during a performance in his hometown of Saranac Lake, New York. And after this, more and more venues began to cancel his appearances. And, um, you know, these events were ultimately described by those outside of his career 
as the beginning of the end of his mainstream career. And let me jump in there. By 2019, his extreme political views had got him banned from many social networking platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, and even YouTube. Yeah, again, this is, this is when he attacked the gun rights activist, once called Obama the N-word on a podcast. And again, mm-hmm. whatever your political affiliations are, I think we agree that's a word that you, you're not supposed to you use. You don't use that. He repeated many anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, including making a statement once that Hitler was only trying to, quote, clean Germany. Clean it of its parasites and of the fleas. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, strangely enough, a Holocaust denier. Now, yep. you can't support yep. the Holocaust in one sentence. And, the, and then turn around and say it basically didn't exist. And you'll find that Benjamin does this a lot. He'll, he'll, he'll talk about one viewpoint and then say something almost totally contradictory. Yeah, he believes if it did exist, it was just totally blown out of Kelter, which we'll get yep. into like his belief on the cold COVID and you know all of this as well. He also, of course, claims that Jews control the media, which seems to be a very extreme right-wing talking point. It's been reported that he believes in several other conspiracy theories, including that the transgender rights movement is a part of a eugenics program to reduce the world's population. I don't know about you, Eric. I used to joke that we need another plague to thin out the population until we actually had one. (laughs) We had one? Yeah. We don't even... There are an awful lot of people on the planet, let's be honest. Yeah, Yeah. He believes that the moon landing was faked which I believe Buzz Aldrin will punch you in the face for saying. <laughs> it, uh, that's actually, I was there. That's been reported. Like He's legit done that. I can't even imagine. But I can't imagine telling him of all people. Yeah, you just walk up and it's like, oh, that whole thing was a joke. You weren't there. Schmack. He believes that the existence of dinosaurs was entirely fabricated by the Smithsonian. They've been accused of some shady stuff. Uh, they lose a lot of stuff. Let's go back to the Giants topic. Yeah, and how they, they lose a lot yeah. of stuff. But I don't believe they've created dinosaurs. That's just my thought. In November of 2019, he spoke at a Flat Earth International Conference in Dallas. I like to point out that a Flat Earther once (laughs) tried to use math to prove that the Earth was flat, only to prove that it was actually, in fact, round. round. In March of 2020, it was reported that Benjamin had been attempting to circumvent his social media bans on several platforms simply to spread disinformation regarding COVID-19. Oh, this was big for him. The whole COVID-19. 2020, of course, we all know the story, unfortunately. COVID-19 pandemic hits our country. You know, he self-proclaims, I just lost it. To him, it was all stupidity. He believed the government was using this as part of their agenda. Now, let me let me say here, some of the things the, the guy says, I, I'm going to admit, I'll call myself out. It's like, they're, they're believable, but it's just the extreme that he, that he takes it. So with that being said. Well, again, like I said, the extremes on either side. Exactly. You know, he, he's one of those that absolutely refused to wear a mask. He said, I refuse to live in fear that he believes the government just created this whole ordeal. And he states the experiment kind of tanked on him and it did not work out the way that government wanted. He says something amazing happened, a resurfacing of free-minded thinking. People learned they could do without a lot. People could do other things. People could go back to the old ways of self-supportiveness, and they did not need the government. And this is kind of setting the foundation again, where we're getting up to the unbearables. Just to give our listeners a little bit more of a state of mind where this man is coming from, let me share just a, a couple of his statements. You may find a few of them quite interesting, maybe laughable, some maybe even believable for yourself, to each their own. Owen Benjamin explains during an online interview, when the government did this, meaning the whole COVID-19, They thought they would fear factor the population to follow all the rules, but it became a real realization that obviously the government could pull the plug at any time and we could repeat 
whatever was happening. Maybe a different disease, maybe a different pandemic, maybe a food shortage, whatever, but the fact that they could pull the plug at any time. So if that's the case, why would smart people invest in long-term investments? Why focus on the distant future? People discovered there were more important things like living life in the now. He goes on to debate. It is not about inflation like the multimedia stream preaches. If that was the case, then why hasn't things like Netflix or alcohol, booze in general, shoot up in price? No, instead, it's only the main supply chain. And he felt the government wanted to use that selectively as part of their propaganda for fear. Instead, let's jack the prices on food and gas and oil and make new vehicles next to impossible to obtain. These type things, in his belief, are what would be needed to keep people at home and not traveling under the government's thumb. Eric, we're trying to make him look like a dangerous alt-right radical here. Yes. And I'm, I'm with you. I mean, some of those things, Some yeah, of those like, things is like, you know, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The conspiracy theorist in me, which it, it's there, it's definitely under the surface. There were parts of the COVID thing that I didn't 100%, you know, like. We both talked, we talked a about lot it at length about it. Yeah. You know, the mask and all that stuff. I never really was comfortable with the mask and, and you know, I was overweight. I had high blood pressure. I had a couple of things where if I got COVID, I was definitely going to be at risk. But at the same time, they said, what, like 99% of people who got COVID were going to be fine. Well, 99% of the people that get the flu are fine, too. And then some people die from the flu. You know, obviously, COVID was a real thing. It took a lot of people's lives, tragically. Yes. But so did the flu. What I thought, and I brought this up to you during the whole 2020, 2021, even to 2022, what happened to the cold and the flu? Yeah. Th that just like didn't even get mentioned. Everything well, just automatically went to, oh, you got COVID. No, I've got a cold. No, you've got COVID. Well, and on top of everything else, I just, I do believe we were lied to as a society when, uh, you know, it just so happens, and I'm, and I'm going to, I'm going to quote a little John Stewart here for you. It's really weird that the city where coronavirus started also happens to have the novel coronavirus research lab. Yeah. But, but it had nothing to do with that lab, right? Nothing to do with that. Well, like John Stewart said, if you're in Hershey, Pennsylvania and you smell chocolate, you go ahead and assume it has something to do with the Hershey plant. Hershey plant. It, it definitely isn't the fact that you have wild chocolate roaming around. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't believe that we knew the whole story behind COVID. And I do believe there were certain aspects of COVID that were blown out of proportion. Now, that's not to say I have a brother-in-law in the medical field. I know that the medical f people were overwhelmed and that was part of the danger. So many people got yes. sick that a lot of people couldn't get the treatment they needed. I understand yep. that that did happen. And then you have guys like Benjamin Owens trying to say, Oh, that didn't happen. You know, like this was all exaggerated. No, there were absolutely people who were documenting this. I, I understand that too. Now, my brother-in-law also kind of said, you know, you need to live your life and it is what it is. You like most people are going to be, you live your life. Yeah. Most people are going to be fine. I, I joked on a, on a previous podcast or I joked previously about how that little piece of cloth or paper you were wearing over your face. I ended up getting COVID at least once that I know of. And, and probably more than once, there were a couple of times where I had all the proper symptoms, although at this point in time, what the new variant of, of that's the other thing. It just kept changing. Well, it the new variant of evolving. COVID emulates seasonal allergies mm -hmm. in the springtime. I've got really? allergies. Horrible. And you get to a point where you're in there shopping or whatever, and you feel a sneeze coming on and you're like, I'm going to be judged by everyone in this store. When things first started to open back up, I have seasonal allergies and usually well, I, I had pertussis years ago. You probably remember that. We worked together at the yep. time. 
Uh, and it was bad. bad and, and by the time I went to the doctor, he was like, oh, you're going to have to live with this basically the rest of your life. Every time I get sick, I develop a cough. When things first started to open up, I needed to get a haircut like bad, like everybody did. You yeah, know, right. We were all shaggy. And my allergies were in full effect and I could not stop coughing. And I thought. Yeah, and here you are in the barber's am, chair, silent yeah, for 30 minutes or more. I'm going to scare this poor woman to death because, you know, if you had a cough or sick or whatever, but I knew it was my allergies. I didn't have any other symptoms. Of course I it was, was your you know, allergies. Yeah, no, I probably had COVID three times. But, you know, I had to sit there in that chair and just hold in a, you know how hard it is to hold in a cough? Uh, yeah, I've, I've <laughs> attempted it. I'm sure many people out there, if you want to be honest, have attempted it. Well, I wanted to spread this to the point of, we don't, yes, this this guy opinionated very. There, there are some things that Owen Benjamin believes in that I can support. But he's not going to lure people in with that he's luring people in with what i'm saying and that's how he's getting his followers you know he goes on to say trust had been lost uh and trust is a two-way street obviously he goes so now people uh, americans are rethinking things like homesteading to become more self-supportive no surprise but owen is also not a supporter for the uh the covid19 all the injections and all this he believes it was just another part of the government's threats and now people unfortunately, are having side effects related to these proposed vaccines. But again, it's not a vaccine because you can still get it, you know, so you could argue that, but we're not going to get into that. I was going to say the semantics of it. I mean, it is what it is. But fast forward to 2023 present time. And, you know, now government and officials are saying, well, we didn't make you take it. It was voluntary. However, many professions out there uh, had no choice. They were mandated to take the vaccine or lose their job. So where do you draw the line? There were a lot of industries that did make it mandatory. Yes, there was. And there were a lot of places where it was strongly encouraged. I've got family members that are nurses, uh, multiples, and obviously in that field, that was, you know, it was mandated. Military was absolutely mandated. I don't care to talk about it. I got the first two shots, and then when I started talking about boosters, I was like, "Eh, I don't, I didn't get a third one. I chose, even though I was at high risk with diabetes and high blood pressure, not to take it, partially due to my doctor saying that just doesn't imply that you're not going to get it. It just makes it that you won't get it as bad. Yeah, I believe it was supposed to impact the severity of it. So again, yeah, like the the idea that a vaccine seems like it should prevent it, and no. you know it, it. What it is, what it. Is. But again, so anyway, this isn't about COVID nineteen. So we're going <laughs> to fast forward. But now, you know, especially present day, most companies are struggling to hire and to keep employees. And he's going on to say, you know, he, he thinks this explains it because the people have lost that trust with the government. My theory, though, is also that we spent so much time not doing the the things that were mandatory, like you had to work, you had to go do this. Mm -hmm. We got to spend time with people we cared about. Yes. And people that mattered to us, not the places we have to go. My next sentence is right out of of my playbook here. We all had to learn to some degree, some of us more so than others, that we had to find something else to do. We, We were able to spend more time with family. And we got to probably for the first time in our lives and maybe even our parents' lives experience a, a different side of living. And maybe we didn't need all the fancy stuff that we thought we needed. And, you know, maybe spending more time with family was more important to many people out there. Owen believes there will be another propaganda epic ordeal is what he uses to describe it that might be a a world war possibly a medical scare a food shortage so he and his followers must prepare for that uncertainty that's kind of the foundation of it and that brings us to 
2020 when Benjamin reached out to his fans and began asking for donations. And he told them it was so that he could build what at the time he was calling Barataria. Barataria. He encouraged his supporters, who had taken to calling themselves bears, and collectively as the unbearables. And of course, if they're the unbearables, then Benjamin himself is now known as the Big Bear. But he encouraged them to donate $400 in exchange for what he called a two-week vacation on land that he was going to buy. However, he fell short of his funding goal, and he backed away from the camping offer in the end, but he began to pitch Barataria as more of a concept than an actual location, and, you know, admittedly called himself an idiot for offering, uh, you know, camping rights in exchange for $400 in donations. You can camp for a lot cheaper than 400 bucks. Yes, you can. So in the spring of 2021, after purchasing 10 acres of land in rural Boundary County, Idaho, Benjamin began working on a project to create this compound. Benjamin began to call his property Ursa Rio, which I believe would mean Bear River, or sometimes the Great Bear Trail, and he pitched Ursa Rio as an unbearable haven, which, when you say it like that, yeah. sounds kind of wrong, but unbearable spelled B-E-A-R, bear, and this all marked the culmination of a year-long plan to establish a gathering place for his fans, which doesn't sound that bad. No. He called it a peaceful place to commune with nature, to fish, to learn to hunt, and to otherwise form a community and just get back to nature. Learn those old I'm on, ways. I'm on board with all that. I am. Yep, me too. Elsewhere, however, he'd say if he'd been able to raise enough money to purchase 200 acres, he was considering setting up tactical training courses for his donors. Now, that sounds a little iffy. A little iffy. Yeah. Sounds like some of our other cult stories we've yep. done. Now, as the Unbearables began to set up basic sanitation and housing on the properties, the neighbors began getting nervous. Now, this land that he had purchased was zoned for agricultural and forest uses only, not residential. No one should be living there. Well, they're camping. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> county residents filed a complaint with the county commissioners, and they urged the commissioners to block construction on the property, pointing out that not only was the property not serviced by any utilities, which would, of course, raise the threat of inexperienced campers starting forest fires, but that it also the property was only connected to a narrow and very crude road that was maintained only by neighbors adding rocks to it every year. <laughs> so this, this is an undeveloped property. They were also concerned by the prospect of an organized military-style training happening there. Which kind of sounds like that may yeah, have been part yeah, of the plan. Yeah, may have been said that. They told the commissioners, quote, You are the only people who can prevent this reenactment of Ruby Ridge. And another neighbor, a Vietnam vet, told the local paper, This is a commercial enterprise offering training in weapons and tactics and not a use allowed in this zone. There is no conceivable reason to allow this use. If we wait too long, it will be too late. I was I was just thinking back to our episode number 98 of Antelope, Oregon. That whole cult deal sounds very similar when they were well, coming in. Well, this Ruby Ridge, I guess, a very similar group had moved in and established a compound that was sort of militaristic and actually had a 11-day, law enforcement had an 11-day siege on the property that left three people dead. And this was in the same county. This was in, uh, Ruby Ridge was in 1992 in Idaho, okay. uh, beginning on August 21st. Like, like I said, for 11 days, law enforcement laid siege to that property and left three people dead. And this was in the very same county where now the bears are coming in and talking about setting up the same kind of deal. Rinse these, and repeat. They saw this These before. people have already been there. They know what it's like. So reporter Mike Whalen, he catches wind of this story and he decides he's going to investigate. Since he actually written stories about similar situations, he was actually present at the Ruby Ridge compound uh, before and during the law enforcement siege. So he'd already seen this. 
Like I said, same county and everything. Now, he expected to get some pushback when he started investigating this story. He got a little more than he bargained for when two men showed up at his home where he works from. They claimed to be a camera crew working with Benjamin. And at first they were kind of polite, but soon they began to harass him and accused him of ruining Benjamin's life and for publishing slander and libel about him. And then they made it personal, claiming that an earring that he wears, which was a token of sobriety that he received from a friend, was in fact a symbol of pedophilia. Mm. Seems like the right always wants to accuse someone of being a pedophile when they don't like him. Yeah, really. Waylon then kicked them out of his home, but in letters posted by Benjamin, he mocked Waylon, referring to him as the pedophile guy in the wheelchair. Whoa. Of course, Waylon was wheelchair bound. Uh, He quickly added the word alleged to the pedophile claim, stating, quote, I learned that if you say alleged, you can say anything about anyone. That's the free, that's the freebie. I get a pass. I can say anything I want alleged. He went on to make fun of him for having a house filled with wheelchair ramps. Just kind of a low blow if for a guy a who needs wheelchair, a wheelchair. You need ramps, yes. And he would go on to tell his followers to avoid sarcasm and to comment back with love to anyone criticizing the group, which, I mean, again, like I said, these kind of contradictions are kind of common. Matter of fact, during his online rants, at one point, he'll deny the group is extremely right wing and then follow up with a, a quote, uh, much love to my Aryan nation friends out there. Yeah. Now, I don't know how you feel. I'm going to assume you probably agree with me. When you support the Nazis, that makes you the bad guy. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Now, Benjamin has told reporters that there are, that no guns have been fired on the property since he bought it. I find that hard to believe. Well, but he's also referenced having a paramilitary force on his property, telling people that he is, quote, friends with basically a paramilitary group. He's also said, if you try to squat on my land when I offer you a campground, I have my own paramilitary squad. So he's saying he's got a military-like group here a presence his own personal police but he's also warning off bears that are trying to live on the land permanently like this is not a permanent place this is this is is mine in another video he's quoted as saying i'd have my own paramilitary force which is always a good thing however since these comments were made he's gone on to say he was only joking i do not have a paramilitary (laughs) retract yeah. yeah well and especially when you consider his history I do not have a paramilitary squad. I was making a joke as a comedian. Mm. <laughs> Unless you consider my goats and chickens as the military. In other videos, he's also referenced the potential for guns on the property. Shooting range? Why, yes. There will be a gun range, of course. We have a shooting range. We just never fired any guns. Now, is Benjamin a good neighbor? No, and he'll even tell you that. Once, when asked to wear a mask in public, he called an elderly man in a post office a crusty old hunchback. <laughs> Seems kind of rude. <laughs> And accused him of being a pervert since only criminals and perverts wear masks. Whoa, okay. Okay. Now, as of right now, there's no evidence that the people of Idaho are going to be able to get rid of the unbearables. Uh, The last anyone heard of any activity involving this was in August when conversations were happening with the lawyer, but nothing has been heard since then. So they still have their Idaho compound. The concern and the reason that uh, the unbearables were brought to my attention was apparently they're setting their sights on the Ozarks now. Yes, they are. I believe they're looking at some land around Ava, and I believe they've purchased 25 acres around Kabul already. You have more on the Missouri side of things, which I I was having a hard time finding info on. Well, now that we have a a bit of background on Mr. Owen Benjamin, we, we pull off this Idaho, whatever you want to call it, a cult or a following, depending on which side of the mirror you're standing on, do come to Missouri. One Missouri official released the following public statement back just a few months ago regarding a bear camp, one of his followers' establishments. 
Fellow Missourians, I've been asked for updates about Owen Benjamin's cult, the Unbearables, becoming established around the Kabul and Ava areas. They have purchased the first 33 acres and are contracted to buy over 100 acres more. The headline reads, Owen Benjamin signing contract for first 33 acres in Missouri compound, and it is decided or described as compound. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if this is referenced in there. Isn't there some sort of beef manufacturing or like a cattle or something farm? Well, they are involved. They started several businesses already. The, the first settlers, if you will, that were bears came here before the, the mention of making a whole compound. And yes, they started a construction business. They started a, a beef cattle business. They started a milking business. They are starting several businesses, which many of the local citizens are saying, okay, they learned from Idaho. So we're going to just send in kind of a few people and start taking control of the situation. And then we're going to come in with the whole compound thing. Well, and we're already here. We're established. It sounds like they're trying to establish that self-sufficiency, which again, isn't a bad thing. I'm no, not criticizing that's not that. That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad but thing. But when you're antagonizing your neighbors and attacking disabled vets and things like that. The quote goes on and saying, as we were just talking about, there are businesses owned by these bears, such as Piney Creek Farm in Kabul, Ozark Legacy Contracting in Kabul, and Beaver Creek Campground in Ava in the comments. Now, these people are perpetual scammers, this is what the statement says, who cause massive amounts of problems everywhere they go. They have attacked veterans in wheelchairs, which Bill has alluded to, elderly women, and etc. Owen's favorite slogan is, no sacred cows, which for him means anything goes by any means necessary. Now, another example of a headline from here in Missouri, a uh, former member wrote in, this is a cult of scammers. They are moving here to Missouri. Fellow Missourians, there is this group. They're, they are already here. They are called unbearables, bears for short. And each of the cultists has a bear name. The leader is ex-comedian Owen Benjamin. And according to what Benjamin has been saying in recent live streams, he aims to establish outposts all around the country. There is one near where he lives in Idaho, as well as the Missouri now selected as the second main compound. Recently, they are starting to move into Ava from Los Angeles and Kabul from Oregon. And there are others that had moved to the state previously, which I had alluded to. Kind of, we'll get the first people ground feet on the floor and then we're going to start bringing in the groups. The property in Kabul is now about 180 acres and is being sold off in parcels to cult members. Now, some of the members, this, this again, former member is still writing this and I'm quoting from them. Some members are good people who are just misguided, but the ones who move around for him like this on this level and surface his every whim are bad news as their primary focus is loyalty to Benjamin and making a big show of living by his whims in order to work their way up to impress him. They make it all seem very traditional values on the surface with homesteading, you know, being self-sustained. They talk of God, they preach of the Bible, and that's how they hook people. But that is not what Benjamin and his inner circle are really about. Their primarily focus is just to get money out of people by any means necessary to acquire more land. Now I'm going to, I've said this about Scientology before. When the guy who writes your holy book is a science fiction author first, that kind of throws your whole faith into doubt, right? Yeah. Like you wonder. Yeah. When the guy who starts your movement used to be a comedian. You got to consider that. You have to wonder, 
I, and I'm not, I don't want to disparage comedians, but again, the guy used to be a comedian and then all of a sudden he took this hard turn and yeah, I mean, yeah. it just seems weird. Hey, this past member goes on. He says, I accidentally joined this cult a few years back as they come off as a conservative Christian homesteading group. And I wanted to be a part of it. Benjamin gained many followers by claiming to be a Christian, then began turning his followers away from Christianity towards several other religions, even promoting Islamic child briding. Yeah, I did see that. Whoa. And anyone who speaks out about any of this is attacked by Benjamin and or his more zealous bear leaders. Oh, man, we're going to have to watch out. Mm-hmm. He has also scammed many people out of money and continues to do so for these outposts and land grabs. Benjamin is a fake homesteader from Hollywood. That kind of rolls off the tongue. This used to be just an e-cult, but not since the Idaho land scam. Owen sent goons to disabled veterans' homes in Idaho to, for reporting on town hall meetings involving Benjamin. I and many others have been keeping track of all of this in the community secretly for years because of the trouble they leave in their wake and all it is documented. I will post info and links and comments and have information on the AVA. Now, you mentioned a, a supplier of Reddit. This may be the same person. I'm not sure. But I did find several where he was posting several deals to Reddit about this. Now, I also stumbled across a, I'm going to describe it as a two-hour commercial. <laughs> Documentary. I, I think I had the link, but I didn't watch it. Building Berteria. This was uh, part three of a documentary all about the Ozarks. I will say at some point in his references to Berteria, he did put a D in there for some reason. And it's weird. No, it became Bertardia. Oh, okay. And, and some people commented though, that seemed like it could also be appropriate. <laughs> in this two hour plus ad, let me just say it is directed. It is edited by his group. So you're not going to hear anything necessarily bad, but I'm going to interject a few things because I'm going to quote several of these things. Cause again, you don't say, hey, I'm this crazy-ass-minded guy who leans this way. Come follow me. You're not going to get followers that way for the most part. It's how he allures people in. So they start off with one of these original bear followers uh, that came to Missouri first off. Uh, he states he was born in Salt Lake City, Utah, and where he stayed until he was age 26. He said, I started my business career as a stockbroker working my way through several promotions and ending up specializing in international stock trades. As life went on for myself and the family, he states uh, he's seen a direction in which the world seemed to be going and they described or they decided they needed to try to get debt free. And that is when they moved to the Missouri Ozarks. There, they immediately started their own business, Ozark Legacy Construction, a building and general construction company back in December of 2022. So again, this is all unfolding in Missouri relatively in the past year. I mean, yeah. it's, it's very recent. The Missouri portion is very recent. And yeah, this is still like an ongoing thing. Now, at this point, these original, we'll call them founders, there are 16 different guys, both bears and some non-bears, meaning they haven't totally converted yet, but they're interested enough. They want to be a part of it. So they're kind of allowing them to experience this seems to be one of their, their big things of this uh, cult or group. The leaders and head positions are all called bears and often adopt that bear name. Now, this gentleman uh, that's doing the interview for the, I'm going to again call it a commercial, 
His real name is Adam, but he goes by Mr. Permy Bear. Some strange names, but if you're going to choose a bear name, he, you know, Permy Bear is, is just kind of odd. I thought. I'm sitting here thinking if you're an extreme right wing group, it seems odd that you would pick bears as your name, considering the connotation that that has amongst the gay community. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he goes on to say when they started Ozark's legacy construction, there were a total of only four men, including himself. And um, basically, they are trying to find a new start in Missouri as one of those locations. He said out here, and I think Bill will attest to this. I know I've run into it. It is sometimes, more often than not, difficult to get people to show up to do work. You're lucky if they'll return a phone call, much less show up and, and give you a quote or an estimate on having a roof done or you know, maybe even an AC unit put in or a water heater, whatever the case may be. I would assume it would be that way probably across the country. Maybe that's a Missouri only thing, but I don't think so. But anyhow, he said, I thought this was our calling. We have trustworthy men and we will show up. We will give fair prices. We will do any type of construction work. And you know, often if you want something done beforehand, you just had to do it yourself because after, again, countless attempts, nobody would answer texts and all. So he goes, we were here for the community. That sounds great. Amazing, right? <laughs> now, another one of the members is a Barry Wilson. Now, he's also known as Gunite Bear. <laughs> again, these bear names I'm not, not real sure about, but Gunite Bear. You just add any word to bear. Now, formally... I'm not sure why he had to change this, but formally he said I was known as Ginja Ninja Bear. Okay. But I changed it, and now I'm known as Gunite Bear. The group of men started the construction company. They met one another through an app online for other bear members. Several of the wives are also bears, and it was through some of the wives that they started meeting up in backyard barbecues and family gatherings in the Kabul and Ava area. And as they started talking, the concept was formed to start this legacy construction company between the original four men. Now, Barry Wilson, a.k.a. Gunite Bear, moved to Missouri back in 2020 after losing his job amid the COVID pandemic, and uh, he was an accountant. He states uh, after losing his primary accounting job, he did a few other accounting jobs on the side, but like his follower, refused to wear the masks for the mask mandate order and decided that the jobs just weren't for him and literally walked out. Now, his wife, Laura, was originally from Missouri, so while the family with two young children had no plans to really ever move back, it was a place to fall back on. Laura now goes by the name of Ruby Bear, again, another bear name, and uh, as very typical, they call their two children cubs because they're (laughs) growing up here in the bear den. Now, Barry, Gunite Bear, goes on to state that they had visited Missouri several times in 2021, and it just seemed to feel more and more right for them. He does admit, he goes, I don't really care for government rules. To be honest, I don't even know who the governor of Missouri is. We were just coming here for a fresh start. He says he does, however, care and keeps track with local government. For example, he knows who his councilman is. uh, And they even watch the city council meetings uh, that are streamed online. Uh, It was the local government that interfered with him and his wife's family's life in Texas. And here in Missouri, it's just much more laid back, and you can do pretty much whatever you wish within reason, of course. Texas is an extremely red state. Like, I mean, more so than Missouri, I would oh, say. Oh, I would definitely, yeah. So definitely more what so was the Missouri. problem in Texas? Well, for one, he did not like these mask mandates. He kept bringing that up over and over, that, you know, no 
man should be able to dictate that I have to wear a but mask to go anywhere, we much still less had those work. in Missouri. Yeah, during the same time frame. But again, you know, maybe in the Ava Kabul area, especially if you're out homesteading. I mean, you're out in the farm, you're outdoors. How many people did you see wearing masks outdoors? There was some. Right. Again, in your own home, you yeah. didn't have to. Yeah, I saw people that were wearing them in cars. That oh, was kind of yeah. stupid. Yeah, you pull up next to somebody at a stoplight and they got a mask and on. They would, and they would look at you like you were wrong not to have it. I'm like, I'm the only person in here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I never figured that out either. But Now, near Ava, Missouri, there's a little town called Brown Branch. And this is ultimately the Missouri's Bear Den. No relationship, by the way, to the town of Conway, where their school mascot name is the Conway Bears. We don't want to get confused there. Brown Branch has uh, one little general store, which also serves as a campground and a canoe rental all in one. Another member of the Ozark Construction Troop picked up their roots of over 100 years in Utah and made the destination trip to Missouri as well, following the inspirational words of their leader, Permi Bear, here in Missouri. He now goes by the name of Prospect 96 Bear. Not sure where they come up with this, or but yeah, that's his title. He says it was the hardest move they ever had to do, one of the hardest things he has ever had to do, but now he loves it here. Everyone has a smile on his face, they said. They're uplifting, which is what we wanted. We want to help others and have them help us in return. Well, I think he's in a different part of Missouri for sure. <laughs> he goes, people invite me to their house or their property to do work for them. They trust me. And they often even offer us free stuff to help our families out, such as fresh eggs, produce, and sometimes even meat. He says he didn't expect this much hospitality from the local community. This is part of the self-reliance and the independence that the group wants. So they stay local. They trade. They barter. And they keep all the necessities close by, just in case things once again go south. Prospect 96 Bear and his family purchased 40 acres on a hill in the area where there was a rundown home that they had hoped to renovate and live in, but unfortunately they found that house is too far gone and it would be way too costly. So they now plan to build a small home and for the foreseeable future, they live in an RV there on the property. Now the group's fundamental leader, we go back to Owen Benjamin, his legacy is adopted and followed within the homesteads here. He lays claim to developing what he calls a unique system called the Builder Buddy Program, which sounds pretty simple. Families living on the land, as he describes, the master's land, whether it be his own or one of his bear den owners. Now, here they are to be treated equally, for the most part, eating and living the same way as the owner or the master does. They're working around the farm on a daily basis, various manual labor type jobs, you know, mowing, milking, slaughtering, fixing the fence, whatever needs to be done. In turn, for 13 solid weeks out of the year, they would commit to help improve or build a home for the master on the property, which he also refers to, Owen does, as the castle. So we've got a lot of strange kind of old terminology being wicked back I'm going to say, have we not learned that any system that involves someone being called the master is probably not great? But they're embracing this. They accept this. They want this. The last people that had masters in this country were not super happy with that. Yeah. Well, this proposal is not Owen's. It is not new. It is not unique. 
it's actually goes back to old Renaissance time frame, even before that. Well, yeah, that's uh, serfdom. I was gonna say, yeah, it reminds me of that. Yeah, like you work for whoever owns the land, and then yeah. you do whatever they you want. You get some room and board, might be out in the barn, whatever, and uh, you know, in turn, you would work there for many years, and, and, and whoever and you're given that, and whoever place owns to stay. the property lives off the fat of your you know, lives off your spoil. Yeah, yeah. Basically, essentially, they become an apprentice, best case scenario, under the landowner, and they might learn some new knowledge or somewhat of a working education apprenticeship program in return for a place to temporarily stay, sometimes for years, sometimes for decades. More often than not, assuming the owner, aka master, was impressed with the work ethic and demeanor of the person or the family, eventually they might even be given a small parcel of land themselves and asked to stay by the master and would ultimately stay there and become just a part of the self-supportive community, continuing to help their master, but while maintaining their own little, you know, maybe two acres of land or, or whatever. Wow. Yeah. Now, another member of the construction company, and he now goes by Red Panda Bear. I have to assume this is due to his uh, red beard and red-colored hair, so that one makes a little bit more sense to me. Red Panda Bear says that he has been the longest committed member of the Builder Buddy program thus far. He is fully immersed into the Builder Buddy uh, serfdom process, as we talked about. Uh, he has no problem calling, you know, Owen and those above him as masters. And the workers, <laughs> get this, are often referred to as slaves, which oh. I fully take and admire. Wow. Yeah. You're, you're talking, okay. Taking the role or title as a slave freely, saying, it's, I'm it's proud about, of it. It's about freedom, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's supposed to be the idea. Yeah. Slaves were not free. That was the point. But he says, by being a slave, he is enabled to have freedom. Wow. Wow. That's all I could say. Holy moly. Now, the tasks and stuff he goes to brag about, he goes, it's very loose. It's undefined. He goes, it's not like we're being whipped and beaten like the old slaves. No, he goes, no, there's no schedule. Basically, we wake up every morning and whatever might need to be done, we just do it when it needs to be done. That might be helping my master at the construction company. That might be helping uh, serve food to the family while my master is away taking a little bit longer at a job. You you keep uh, yeah you keep saying that like that, and I'm just like, oh no, it is. How can you see it this way? It's it, just like oh, I, I don't man. understand. It's just sounds like slavery. Now I will say here is a twist that I didn't think about, but it it's worth mentioning. There's also a financial point of gain in this system. No money is exchanged hands in this process. The government does not have any ability to collect tax money. So they're keeping the government out of it. He's there as a, he says, slave to work for the master for room and board. He's not paying any money. The master's not paying him any money. So government, screw you. You're not getting any taxes. Now, Amish and some, uh, maybe even Mennonites, did at least practice that to some degree here in Missouri. They they did not have to pay taxes for kind of that same I'm, reason. I'm on board with not paying taxes. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if I want to be a slave to make it happen. Yeah, and not to wear that title, you know, and say, hey, I'm proud to be a slave, look at me. We flash forward to Labor Day weekend of 2022. This is the first ever event of Bearteria that was held here in Missouri. Now, the Missouri unbearables group it has been dubbed has been asked by the idaho group to host this epic three-day event of camping music and teachings and who didn't make it to that event owen i, I what does that yeah. say 
He, he that won't says even be a bothered lot. to come down here. The Idaho group was so impressed with the new-founded Missouri Bear Group and all of their accomplishments, including launching multiple businesses and farms in the area, as well as a huge increase of membership. An area of five acres was cleared for this giant pavilion tent, and of course for parking, as well as areas for gaming events and tournaments and bonfire celebrations at night. Tickets were, I believe I saw online for like $26 a day. It was a three-day event, and several hundred people attended it from all over the nation here in Missouri with, uh, and again, Missouri's central location, United States. So it kind of makes sense, you know, as opposed to like doing it in Idaho too, a uh, geographic location. But we had people from New Mexico and Michigan and Idaho, they bragged, you know, across the nation. Now, I, that was their first big kickoff. And it's kind of been hush-hush since then. I don't know. It didn't, I, I couldn't find at least how much membership growth, if they were attracting these other bears here. If they were trying to teach them maybe to see what we've done here in Missouri now, return to New Mexico, return to Idaho, Michigan, Idaho, I guess they've already got one, but go back to your states and do what we've done. I, 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 they weren't open with that information, so I'm not real sure what happened there. But rest assured, this group is still very active in Ava and Kabul area, and uh, these, they, they certainly have mixed reviews. There are some neighbors that have went on file and, and they're saying that they've been very helpful. We hired them to put a new roof on. They showed up. They did a good good work. Uh, some of them have almost like welcomed them in. And then there are those others that are like, you know, they ripped us off. They took our money. They didn't finish the job. Then there are those ones that said that they are being threatened to sell their land, very similar to what you were referring to in Idaho. And again, if it all stems down from Owen, you would kind of crazy not to expect the same things because that's what yeah. was going on there nightmare headlines it's time folks so i thought while we're talking about cults in missouri i would talk about more cult activity and land purchasing happening in missouri <laughs> apparently we're a popular place for cults you keep surprising me with this missouri stuff bill so impressed. From the Riverfront Times, February 27th, 2023. The headline is, Alleged cult that bought Nelly's house eyes 284-acre Boeing campus. The Kingdom of God Global Church is trying to buy the St. Louis property that comes with a hotel, classroom, and other amenities. And this was by Ryan Kroll. So the Kingdom of God Global Church is apparently led by 50-year-old David E. Taylor who has once boasted of being able to raise people from the dead. Oh, wow. So, you know, Necromancy. Pretty powerful. <laughs> I don't know if that was the route he was going with it. But this alleged cult bought a Wildwood mansion from Nelly in 2021. Nelly, I'm assuming the yeah. rap music. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, they are now trying to buy a 284-acre property in Florissant, where Boeing used to operate its leadership center. I believe the leadership center was described as people that work for Boeing as a velvet prison. It is, it is very remote. It's a, like I said, there's, what is it, 284 acres, and the, the, the training center is located right in the middle of that. And I guess executives and whatnot were driven in and were not allowed to bring their own vehicles. And apparently walking is, I guess there's a, lot of, there's a lot of walking trails and stuff, but it would be a heck of a walk if you wanted to get out of there. Hmm. So they called it sort of a velvet prison, at least the people that work for Boeing. I I'm just going to say it sounds like a horrible porn movie. <laughs> But apparently the, the organization is attempting to take out a $25 million loan to buy the property, which was used by Boeing until 2020. 
Now, this is about a 30-minute drive north of St. Louis. And according to a brochure on the property, the site contains uh, dining and educational facilities, as well as conference rooms, classrooms, and residential lodges. Now, the Kingdom of God Global Church currently owns nine properties in West St. Louis County, and past local properties owned by the church have drawn attention from neighbors who have complained about the large numbers of people living on these sites. A source close to the church says they are still actively trying to buy the property, but Boeing appears to be hesitant to sell to them. Now, going back into the, the past of this particular organization a little bit, in 2019, the News Herald of Southgate, Michigan, published a piece on Joshua Media Industries International, which is another organization run by Taylor. And an individual who left the church told the paper that at a property in the southwest of Detroit, numerous people spent hours a day cold calling and messaging people on Facebook to solicit donations for their organization. And some of these people lived at the church sleeping on mattresses or pieces of plywood. Ouch. And the church also operates what they call a dream interpretation phone line. So they're going to... They can get you one way or the other. <laughs> Former members say the church is a slave labor cult and has described working long hours in the church's call center as well as witnessing physical assaults. As was said, Taylor frequently has sexual relations with female church members. So not, not a good place to work for. Mm. And apparently trying to buy a great big old compound. With seven properties already under, uh, under their reign. Well, my headline tonight is definitely different. But we talked about bears, so I took it uh, quite literally. And it just so happened that this week, well, last week now because it's Sunday as we are recording, my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law, obviously, they have a dairy farm uh, nearby in Grove Springs, Missouri, about 45 minutes due south of Lebanon. Uh, That's Emmanuel and Leslie Roth. Interesting little fact, my brother-in-law came directly from Switzerland, came over here with the brown Swiss uh, milk cows. Now, they own a pretty large dairy farm there in Grove Springs. And you may begin to wonder why on earth I'm bringing this up and how it refers to bears. Well, just bear with me just for a few more moments. This past week, Emmanuel shared photos on his Facebook page of a small little black bear on his property. Now, black bears are becoming more and more common here in Missouri. Um, We see pictures all the time as they begin to migrate in and really kind of take a stance, uh, as well as mountain lions, I might add. But what is more unique about this little story involves the cows. He has photographs where a few of his uh, Swiss milk cows are actually chasing the little brown bear through the fields, and eventually these rogue cows tree the little black bear. We take things pretty intense and serious here in Missouri, and apparently so do the dairy cows around here, uh, So to the point where they will tree a, a small bear. We just hope that <laughs> mama bear didn't come out, but uh, I just I couldn't believe that. You see pictures, brown bears, Heck, even at Emerson over at the warehouse, when I worked over there, we had one that climbed a tree and they took pictures and there was one out on East 32 sided. Heck, we had one, one block away walking down commercial street here last year. I I swore up and down on my way to work one day when I worked in Dixon and I saw one off the road on 28 down in the, the ditch and, uh. Man, people used to make fun of me. You didn't see a bear in Missouri. And then after that, people start seeing them more and more. Said the same thing about mountain lions. Oh, you didn't see no mountain lion. We ain't got no mountain lions. Yeah, they're showing up on trail cams everywhere. So, anyhow, wanted to end kind of with a little lighter note there. So, we have good bears and, and evidently some bad bears. I like the idea that the, the cows treed a bear. Yes. That's funny. Cows treed the bear. That poor little thing was scared to death, it looked like. <laughs> well, we hope that you've enjoyed yet another installment of the Unbearables cults of here in Missouri as well as Idaho. And just remember, folks. 
let's be careful out there. Thanks for listening. And he began to call his property Ursa Rio, which if you know language origins, Ursa means bear. I believe Rio is great. No. Actually, Rio means river, doesn't it? It doesn't mean great. I'm not sure what it means. Rio Grande. Yeah, yeah. Great. Great river. I want to take a time to thank the people that helped bring this all together. Uh, Alex Tudor, you can almost call him our producer at this point. Sarah Tudor, who also helps with some of the technical stuff. I want to take a moment to extend thanks to Eric for letting us use his space to record in kind of our makeshift studio. I, in turn, would like to thank Bill for, one, putting up with me and uh, using this camaraderie to do something we both very much love and enjoy doing. And thank Bill's family for allowing him to spend all the time to work and clean up our recordings and present them in what uh, you hear in the final uh, terms, uh, the final edition, if you will. And I'd like to thank all of you for continuing to, to listen. I know we've got some loyal followers out there. We do this as a labor of love. But we're, we're happy that there are people that enjoy it as, hopefully as much as we do. Thank you very much.